Built Unstoppable is a weekly podcast that features a new guest each week who shares their experiences, learnings, and helpful tips for achieving your greatest potential. Welcome to episode number one of the Built Unstoppable podcast. I'm your host, Justin Levy. Today's guest is someone who I've known for over 10 years and is by far, to me, the smartest person I know. He goes by the name of Christopher S. Penn. Hey, Chris, do you want to take a few minutes to introduce yourself? God, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nope, that, that's it. I, uh, I, I'm the chief data scientist at trustinsights.ai, and uh, yeah, that's it. Let's get into the show. Awesome. So what he's been too humble and he knows this um but what most people don't know uh, about you is that you spent 20 plus years uh training in ninjutsu uh, beyond the obviously physical training that has gone into those two decades of uh being involved with the martial arts how would you say that that has applied to you, you know, mentally, uh, and how have you had to use it mentally? You know, I know you've shared with me before what you had to go through, uh, with your first degree black belt. Yeah. You know, there's a bunch of different things that are go in, into the training. So just as a bit of background, what we call ninjutsu is a, uh, a collection of six different, well, nine different, uh, lineages or schools or traditions that are sort of under this umbrella under the current headmaster uh, uh soke masaaki hatsumi uh, and his students throughout the world have you know has, has been teaching this really since the 1970s uh, he had a student named stephen hayes who uh studied with him in Japan for a number of years. And then Mr. Hayes came back uh, to America and taught uh, a bunch of students, including my teacher, Mark Davis here in Boston. And the art is, has its basis in you know, very, very old Japanese battlefields and, and ninja uh, tactics and techniques. And a lot of people, when they think of that, they think of like really cool movies and, you know, Batman and all this stuff. And, and the reality is it, it's really, it, it's kind of boring and it should be boring because the primary concept is that you should be planning and studying and gathering information. That's what ninja were. They were spies, effectively. Gathering intel and information so far in advance that you're not really surprised by anything. Um, the 32nd Grandmaster, Toshitsugo Takamatsu, uh, had an expression, after 10,000 changes, no surprises for the ninja. They were, no matter what happens, you shouldn't be surprised by it. So today... In, in our modern world, you know, there's probably not a whole lot of call. There's some for uh, pr trained professional soldiers to be sneaking into places and stuff. But for the average person, yeah, there really is not a lot of call to be scaling castle walls with you know, iron claws on your hands. So it's kind of fun and cool to, to study this stuff, to see how it was, people solved the challenging problems of their day. But the idea of gathering information and studying and paying attention to your surroundings has is, is never been more important. A very practical example of this is back in early January of this year, recording this in, in 2020, um, 
I started seeing a, a trend on Twitter just a little bit here and there, and I, I tuned into a few uh, epidemiologists and virologists who were talking about this new novel coronavirus that they've been watching emerge in in China back in December. And, you know, by mid-January, it was starting to take off in China. And they're like, this is going to be a problem. You know, the, some clinical data was starting to come out. And on the on January 20th, I posted on my own Facebook feed, you know, it looks like it's time to get ready, right? It looks like this is going to be a thing. Let's get our supplies in, in here. Let's get some, you know, N95 or better masks. Let's get some protective equipment. This was long before anybody cared. Um, and I and a few other folks, the folks who follow me, did go out and buy like the really intense breathing masks, the respirators and things. And sure enough, two months later, you know, at least in the United States of America, it was a full-blown panic, a real pandemic, which is still going on today um, and will be for, for months, if not years to come. And we were ready. There was no surprise. There was no, oh, my God, this is going to happen. Now, there were some things that we did not accurately forecast, like, for example, I had no idea that toilet paper was that big of a commodity that you want to afford. I'm like, you know, food and water and all these things. And toilet paper? Um, who knew? So now we know for the next time. Uh, there was certainly nothing in the ancient ninja scrolls about, you know, hoard toilet paper. <laughs> but the idea is no surprises. You know, we're looking now, you read economic reports, you look at programs and public information public information it's just a question of putting the pieces together and you're going huh august is going to be a sucky month because there's going to be a whole bunch of things like the rent uh, eviction and preventions the mortgage the unemployment insurance a bunch of economic programs all terminate at the end of july and we're not seeing a whole lot of political appetite to extend these programs indefinitely even though again pandemic still occurring um and case numbers and such jumping up rapidly around around the United States of America. So we're seeing, uh, again, this, this confluence of factors weeks, weeks out in advance going, it's time to get ready. Um, you know, if you run a business, you should be thinking, okay, how much cash do we have on hand if you've managed to make it through this far? If you're a person, okay, what, what else can you do to cut back spending a little bit more so that when those things happen, you are not surprised? And that I think is probably one of the most important lessons Ninjas has to teach us is there's so much that is within our observation, may not be our control, but we can observe it and go, you know what, this looks like it might be a problem. What would it take to prepare for this problem? What would it take to, to deal with it? The idea of uh, in, in the word ninja, that nin character literally means uh, perseverance or endurance. Uh, you have to be able to endure something. Uh, it, it's composed of two characters. The The top character is is Blade and, and the bottom character is Heart. And the uh, the explanation that our teachers give is, you know, you are enduring somebody holding a blade over your heart. Uh, while it can be a little grim to think about, from a uh, a mental perspective, what can you do so that you can endure a situation like a pandemic, uh, a bombing of the local marathon, uh, you know, police brutality, whatever the case is, whatever the thing is that's happening, you've got to be able to get through it and, and help the people that you care about get through. And that's that really is the central lesson of ninjutsu. Can you can you get what you want while not making the world any worse off? Yeah. No. Thank you for that. And I think what uh, people don't realize or or weren't 
prepared for when we're talking about this pandemic now and and people will listen to this you know years later and look back or tell their kids or their kids will tell their kids is that we were ill prepared for it because most of us have never taken the time to prepare even though we know that we should you know we you know i talked with my wife and i and when we were preparing for this we joke around that that was our apocalypse shop and you know to prepare us for what the days months potentially years could look like ahead so we were planning for that Uh, unfortunately a lot of people didn't do that and hadn't even prepped uh ahead of that you know we all see the TV shows and the crazy preppers and, you know, but there's a middle ground between that of, of being prepared, of being ready for what may happen in your life. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's preparation and then there's doing the thing too. And that's the other part that is, has been very difficult for people. And we see this happening now uh, with, the pandemic of people sort of, you know, ignoring a lot of the the things that will keep them and the people around them safe is people seem to be lacking that mental endurance. It's not a question of physical endurance, you know, it, it physical endurance is a way to build mental endurance, right? If you run or you row or you do all these things to build that mental fortitude to keep going when things suck. But what we're seeing now is people lack that mental fortitude to say, yeah, guess what? You need to stay mostly at home, probably for the rest of the calendar year uh, and possibly into 2021, if you want to protect the people you care about from getting ill and from yourself getting ill. Are you willing to endure what that means and deal with it so that you can provide that protection to people? And we're seeing in many cases, people are not willing to do that. They lack that fortitude. And when you do and, and you know this, Justin, from your, your Spartan uh, training stuff and things. After a while, if you're really good at building endurance, you can start to find positives within the discomfort, right? Uh, one of my teachers is very fond of saying, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? You have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And if you can do that, then a situation like this becomes less of a big deal. There's a great quote from the old 1970s um, t- uh, Kung Fu TV show, which featured no people, very few people who actually practice Kung Fu. Um, but one of the characters, uh, the Kwai Chang Kang character says, if I told you that you were not within a prison, but that the prison was within you, could you believe that? And that's something that has, has stuck with me, watching people's reactions to the pandemic. You are you are not in prison, right? Your home, if you have a choice between an actual jail and and your home, your home looks pretty good. Um, But you've imprisoned yourself in your mind instead of saying, how can I endure? And how can I find joy in the circumstance as it is, knowing that you're making choices that benefit the people around you? Yeah, I mean, and I thought that, you know, when I went through the situation I went through, uh, you know, with my seizures and then my shoulder surgeries and then my brain surgery, you know, that was something that I focused on, right. Where 
those small wins and how to endure each one of those next steps and having that mental fortitude to know that there was something on the other end of it, that Mm -hmm. a little bit of physical exercise today would lead to a little more tomorrow would lead to, you know, a lot more, you know, adds up. So a lot more in the future. And, you know, I'll never forget uh, when I competed in the Spartan world championships in 2017 at that point, I had done a number of a Spartan races at the sprint and super levels. And that means that the race at the sprint levels, you know, around four to five miles and say 15 obstacles or so, the supers in that six to nine mile range and 20 to 25 obstacles or so. And, you know, I had a and for people that don't know Spartan races, they're held outdoors in mountain ranges. So, you know, they're in mud and they're in uphill and downhill and, you know, pretty steep and off terrain per se. And, but when I was competing for in the world championships, you know, you can do the research online and, you know, all the research said that they were typically 14 to 16 plus miles and, uh, you know, over 35 obstacles. And this was happening at Squaw Valley in California. And one of the things that had always been known in every year that had happened there was that it included a short swim in 45 degree water. (laughs) So we all knew that going into it, right? If it was your first time, you knew that going into it. And I had also never been part of something that was 18 plus miles. You know, I had run six miles, sure, done a bunch of 5Ks and, and whatnot, but never that far. And like you said, it took mental fortitude to get through that race. It took us the other two team members that I had eight and a half hours Mm -hmm. to accomplish that race. And, you know, uh, you saw a lot of people's bodies completely lock up. And when I mean that it's that difference of, you know, taking something that's really hot and putting it under something really cold or vice versa. And um, we saw people do that. There were, you know, divers and, you know, rescue swimmers and all sorts of things like that in that water just because of that. And, um, but it was that mental fortitude, the you know, building up the physical endurance again and strength and a lot went into that. But that mental fortitude to dig deep when you didn't know if you could put in an extra half mile or when you looked around the corner and now saw that there was even more elevation to go up. Um, so I identify with that wholeheartedly. Um, you know, now I, in a way I want to pivot a bit. One of the things that I've known of the best about you, uh, besides, you know, being a quote unquote ninja over all these years, understanding that it takes in that word as means a, a lot, but you have consistently and you talked about this a bit with the pandemic you kind of touched on it but you consistently and regularly 
seek to expand your capabilities, whether that's learning new coding languages, being proficient in various software platforms. I've just seen it time and time again, as you've, you've moved through three, I think, different industries over our friendship, and each time you've become a true expert in those industries, how do you, how do you approach that mentally? And, you know, why do you do it? And, you know, what tips could you give other people when they approach these, you know, wants or areas in life that they want to get to, or maybe they don't know about, right? I think when you were in one of your industries uh, early on, you didn't know that then you get to that next one, but then an opportunity was presented and you did move into it. You know, I don't know. Uh, and I say, <laughs> and I say that because I know what motivates me. And I know that that is also a sample of one. And I've had enough experience, you know, coaching and, and, and mentoring and all that stuff to know that what motivates me doesn't really motivate anybody else, right? Uh, everyone else has their own reasons for doing things. Uh, I had a, a dear friend growing up that um, I tried to give as much encouragement to uh, to pursue these different things, uh, different aspects, and they were they they could not bring themselves to do it because it wasn't what was in their heart, uh, and it wasn't what was in the tapestry of their life to that point. And when you look back at your past, you will see common threads you will see common themes that keep showing up over and over and over again. It's like the universe is knocking on the door saying, hey, open the door, figure it out. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, when I was uh, seven years old, I, you know, my family got our first computers, an Apple II Plus, you know, <laughs> horrendous beige and brown creation with a, you know, 80-line green and black screen. And, um, but that was from very early on something that I knew this is something that I want to be doing is I, I wanted to be able to work with these types of machines. Um, when I was in high school, I managed uh, to uh, win the class presidency for, for senior year uh, because I was really good at taking the computers and software and stuff and doing things like speaking on stage and combining it with, you know, at the time, you know, printed brochures and stuff. And now looking back, I go, oh, I've been using marketing technology and, and, and data and stuff for decades. And I didn't even realize that I was doing that until you look back after you've, you've done the journey. Um, and so I would encourage people, if you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing, to look at the tapestry of your own life and say, what are the things that keep coming up over and over again? You know what they are. Um, just like you can be, you know, if you've had multiple relationships in your life, you know you have a type, right? You know, there's a, a sort of other person that you find attractive. <clears throat> and you can try consciously to do something else, but it typically doesn't work out that well. The same with careers. Like there are certain careers you are just drawn to those things. Once you find the thing, then all those things about expanding capabilities and improving proficiencies become second nature because you actually enjoy what you're doing and you want to do more of it. And that's to me is the, the sign that you're on the right track. When you, uh, I do a show on YouTube and um, on Facebook called Saturday Night Data Party, and it, it literally sound, is what it sounds like. I live stream whatever data or you know, Martech or stuff that I'm working on. And it's not for the benefit of my company. 
it's not something that my company tells me to do. It's because it's fun. It's it's fun to, to to share and talk about stuff. And like this past week, we were doing um, using natural language processing software to summarize articles. You know that that's stuff that's fun. And so if you think about what types of work or what types of endeavors to you are so much fun that you do them when you're not being paid to do them uh, and you willingly go out and learn more about those things, even if there's no financial benefit or mundane benefit, it's just the thing that you like. If you can align that with your career, it gets much easier to pursue these things. If I mean, I used to hate statistics and mathematics. I was a terrible mathematics student. And it turns out I wasn't bad at math. I just had bad teachers. So I had to retrain myself. But as I've gotten more and more into it over the years, I'm like, huh, this actually isn't that hard. I was just taught really, really badly. And so for a lot of other folks, one of the things you have to overcome is what are the things that have been obstacles, not of your own doing? And then how do you go around those things or rewrite them, rewrite those memories so that they're no longer obstacles and you can, if you want to, do those things. It, it, it requires a lot of reflection uh, and a lot of self-awareness to, to go, huh, I don't actually suck at that thing. I just don't have the right tools to do it well. And what would happen, what would happen if I went and got the tools to do it? Sure. And, you know, one of the things I appreciate about you and, you know, what you've done uh, so often is, and this might not be the case for everyone uh, when they have their, they know what their passion is, but at least in your case, you have used that passion beyond wanting in this example to, you know, explore and analyze data and, and things like that but you also use it for as much benefit as you can. And, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I know that you were having your Saturday, Saturday night data party and you're looking at hate crime statistics and, you know, to use that to try to provide your audience with true information, not something that, you know, potentially the media beefs it up to be or, uh, what have you, but to provide people with the information to go have the conversations that they need to or align themselves with the, the folks that they uh, believe are the ones that should be making this impact within their communities. So you're very proficient at taking what you enjoy, but also when the time is right or there are opportunities using that to, I think, you know, be helpful to your audience. It's like from Spider-Man, right? Uncle Ben said, yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. You have an obligation to use your powers to do what in your uh, moral and ethical codes are to make the world a better place. You know, one of the things that um, I do for friends who are looking for work is I run software that pulls data out of various APIs and generates lists of open positions. There's no real cost beyond my time and the, t and the software to do that. But if there's a friend that is in need and I don't do that, then I have power that I'm essentially selfishly not using on their behalf. Very little cost to me, potentially great benefit to the people around me. So what can we do? What could you do or anybody do 
to take the power that you have and leverage it. One of the things that has come up a lot in discussions, you know, in, in contemporary discussions about race and privilege and stuff is that if you have privilege and you care about equality and justice, you've got to be using that privilege on behalf of those who don't have it. If you have power, use it on behalf of those that, that don't have that power. And that too is part of the martial arts uh, and part of the spiritual disciplines that come with it is, do you have a moral compass? And if so, are you are you using the tools that you have to the best, the greatest impact possible in alignment with where that compass is telling you the world should be going? If you're not, then you're kind of doing, yeah, really doing the martial art as well as you could be. I mean, the idea of being in ninjutsu is protection, right? How can you protect the things you care about from harm? Well, harm isn't necessarily just going to be the six foot four, uh, you know, stereotypical bouncer type with a, a club or uh, <laughs> or a gun. It can be a job loss, right? It can be um, someone having psychological problems. It can be uh, you know, a, a terrible loss in tragedy. It can be a pandemic. What power do you have to mitigate that to some degree for the people that you care about? Sure. And I I think that that's very well stated. You know, one of the things that every guest is now going to uh, get asked, and you kind of touched on this uh, throughout the interview so far, but what does being built unstoppable mean to you? So it's two things, right? And and we're going to tackle it in reverse order. Unstoppable means that literally what it sounds like, it cannot be stopped. It can be slowed, it could be distracted, it could be diverted, but ultimately it gets back on track and goes in the direction that you want it to go. And so being un being unstoppable means you are continuing in that direction that you want to be going. Again, it harkens back to what we were talking about. That Nin character means endurance. Can you endure what it takes to keep going? One of the things that, again, the, the grandmaster in our tradition often says when he's teaching is uh, keep going. Like that's that's the most important thing. Keep going, uh, even if you're stuck, even if you're you don't get the technique, if you have no idea what's being said because you don't speak Japanese. Keep going, and you'll eventually get it. The built part is important because being unstoppable is one thing, but using the word built implies that it's not natural in the sense that it's it's not an attribute you either have or you don't have, and if you don't have it, you're screwed. If you build something. It means that you are creating it from something, from net new, from whole cloth. And the idea of building yourself or something to be unstoppable means that it was not that way to begin with and that you have an opportunity to build it. You have the opportunity to create it. And in doing so, uh, that means that everybody else also has that same opportunity. It is not something that is you are born with or not. Everybody can Everybody can keep going if they want to. Awesome. And I think you're setting, setting the bar high for future guests to uh, <laughs> respond to that question. Uh, so, in, you know, lastly, where can people find you uh, across the web? Sure. So two places. Uh, for work stuff, you can find me at trustinsights.ai, which is my company uh, that I co-founded with Katie Robert. We do at data and analytics and all sorts. Of, we're, we're data detectives. Um, and then personally, uh, you can find my personal blog at christophersp.com. And from there, 
uh, any both those sites, all the social networks and YouTubes and all these things that you, you can find from those places. But those are the, the two spots, trustinsights.ai and ChristopherSPen.com. Great. Thank you, Chris, so much for your time. And we'll see everyone next week. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining another episode of Built Unstoppable. Please head over to BuiltUnstoppable.com where you can read new articles from Justin Levy. 